Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Well, good morning. If you make your way back to your seats, we're going to get started. My name's Joe. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, uh, welcome. Thanks for coming. Just one clarification with the announcements, and this happens every time I do announcements as well. Uh, announcements are one of those pressure-type things that um, you can easily make a mistake without knowing. So women, the women's event is on Saturday, not Sunday, next Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12. And uh, let me really encourage you to come to that. Cynthia Snyder um, actually works here in the, the church as well. And so I know her, I've known her for a long time, over 20 years, and um, she has lived what she's going to be teaching you guys. Uh, So this thriving in brokenness and difficulty is something she has experienced. She's experienced God helping her over and over again. And she is certainly the person to be teaching this subject. So I'd highly encourage you to come, bring a friend. You don't have to go to church here to, or be a member to come to that. Uh, Just invite whoever And uh, please mark your calendars this coming Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that as we're going through this series on identity, that our identity would grow stronger and more secure in you. That none of us would believe the lies of Uh, our feelings, or our circumstances, or the streams of culture, but we would be rooted and secure in who you say we are in Christ. And I pray that would bring freedom and joy for everyone in this room. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So today is the fourth message on our series entitled, Who We Are, and I creatively entitled this Part Four. So this is part four of our series, Who Are We? And if you haven't heard all of the messages, I just want to do a little recap of why we're doing this. Why are we spending a number of weeks thinking about our identity in Christ, who we are in Jesus? Well, our church's mission, our mission statement is to love God, love others, and reach the world. And we're never going to be able to fulfill that mission statement if we're not rooted strongly and deeply in who we are in Jesus Christ. See, the greater we are uh, more secure in our identity, the more we're going to be able to serve the Lord, to love Him, to love others, to share the gospel with, with others. If we're not secure in who we are, we're never going to, to make an impact for the Lord. I'm sure you've heard this before, but oftentimes um, churches, local churches, are described as emergency rooms, where we come in, we bring our mess, and Lord willing, the, the Lord cleans us up. And so some of us, we were just like the equivalent of thrown at the front door of the emergency room, and the Lord slowly over time began to clean us up. Some of you might feel like you just got tossed at the front door. But not only is the local church like an emergency room, It's also like a rehabilitation center. So Lord willing, we come in, Jesus begins to change us, He forgives us of all our sins, and then He begins to 
to rehabilitate us, to give us strength, to give us the ability to obey Him and live for Him. And not only that, but it's like a hospital that you go from being a patient to becoming a worker. And so, Lord willing, as we respond to the Lord, we go from being this critical patient to a very useful servant. That's the picture of the local church. And the more we are rooted and grounded in who we are in Christ, the more we'll be able to make an impact for others. The more joy you'll experience, the more freedom you'll experience, the more change you'll experience. And so I really encourage you, if you haven't listened to the last few messages, go back. You can go to our YouTube channel or to our website and listen to them. Uh, This week's message, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. And there are really three identity truths in this passage. So let's look at the, the passage. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There are three kind of big identity truths in this passage, answering the question, who are we if we have put our trust in Jesus Christ for salvation? Who are we? I see three big ones in this passage. First one is we are new creations. The second one is we are forever reconciled, forever made right with our maker. And the third is we are commissioned ambassadors. We are commissioned ambassadors. So we're going to go in that order. The first one, we are new creations. Look at verse 17 again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So I want us to really focus on this idea of who you are in Christ. You are a new creation. Just by a show of hands, who has had like hundreds of cicadas at their house here in the last few days? Me too. Well, I want you to picture when you look at those shells, those empty shells, that's the old you. When you became a Christian, God began to make you new. You became an entirely new creation. It's the equivalent of this morning I was looking at some of the cicadas that were actually real live ones and then shells. Think of the old you, our sinful nature, as the shell. And something much better and more vibrant is the new you. See, the moment you became a Christian, you were made a new creation. You were made entirely new from the inside out. It's a mysterious thing that happens when you trust in Jesus. Because 
It's different than any other religion or philosophy. It's not that you became a Christian because you just started reading the Bible, or you became a Christian because you just started coming to a building with people, or you became a Christian because you started coming to Saving Grace 101. No, when you turned and trusted in Jesus, you were made new. God's Spirit came inside of you, and something miraculous happened inside of you. This is why Jesus said the following to Nicodemus late one evening in John 3.3. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, unless one has the Holy Spirit come inside of you and bring you from spiritual death to spiritual life, you can't see the kingdom of God. So if you believe in Jesus, if you live for Jesus, if you've trusted in Jesus, if you can see Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's because God's Spirit has come inside of you. You have been made brand new. So you have experienced, if you are a Christian, the miracle of miracles. You've experienced something far greater than if you were blind and you were given sight, or if you were deaf and you could suddenly hear. Something far greater than the ability to walk on water. Something far greater than if you checked online on your bank account today and you looked and there were billions of dollars put in your bank account. That would be very cool. But you've experienced something far, far, far more miraculous. God's Spirit, the creator of heaven and earth, dwells in you If you are a Christian, you have been made alive. This language of this passage is the same language that is used in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where God spoke all creation into existence. Our all-powerful, almighty God made you new. Now you may look in the mirror, you see the old you, the old you that's getting older, that's what I see, but you're, you're entirely new on the inside. It's the equivalent of a jet engine being placed inside of you. Something huge and powerful has been placed inside of you. Now I know it may feel like the engine of a weed eater has been placed inside of you and not a jet engine. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But the reality is God's spirit, this jet engine, is placed inside of you. I can't remember which of the Spider-Man movies captured this scene, um, probably most of them. But if you remember when uh, he first got bitten by the spider and he doesn't know that he has these new powers and he, he looks in the mirror and he sees muscles that he didn't have and he has sudden abilities that he didn't have. And he begins to kind of stumble through doing all these different things that he couldn't do before. Well, spiritually speaking, because you are a new creation, that is your new reality. You have new power, new ability to obey the Lord, new energy, new appetites, all because you were made alive by Jesus. The Apostle Paul captures it this way. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you have been saved. See, spiritually speaking, we were all born flatlined. Not with little blips on the monitor, flatlined. Completely spiritually dead. And then God's Spirit came inside of us and life began. Spiritual new life began. With that new life came new sight. When you were made alive spiritually, you were given new eyes to see. To see a whole bunch of things. You were given new eyes to see Jesus as King and Lord and Savior. It's why John Newton, hundreds of years ago, wrote in Amazing Grace, I I once was blind, but now I see. He was talking about his spiritual condition. I, I once couldn't see Jesus. I once couldn't see I was in God's world that he had made, that I had to answer before him for all my actions and all my deeds. But then I could see. If you can see Jesus as your Lord and King and you trust in him, it's because you've been made alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, anybody can say the words, Jesus is Lord. But what, what he means here is no one can say, He's my Lord. He's my King. I trust in Him. I follow Him. I bow to Him. If you can do that, it's because you are a new creation. But not only do we have new eyes to see Jesus, I remember when I first became a Christian, the very first spring, the birds sounded different. The flowers smelled better. The clouds looked more vibrant. The sunshine felt warmer because I knew there was a maker in heaven who was my father. Everything felt much more personal than it did before. See, before I I really didn't know what I believed about anything. So the world just seemed like this weird place that I was just kind of walking through. And once I called out to Jesus, it all changed. My sight changed. Not only does our sight change, but our appetite changes. See, when you were born again, you were given a new spiritual appetite both in a positive sense and in a negative sense. The psalmist writes, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, taste and see. See, to be a Christian should be to have an experience with the living God. See, this book is not primarily about rules. There are certainly rules. There are commandments. There are commands. But it's primarily about knowing and living for and enjoying and tasting experientially the living God. See, we get new appetites when God's Spirit comes inside of us. And then we also get the opposite, where before you were born again, before you were made alive, You and I, we loved sin. We loved feeding on sin. We loved enjoying particular kinds of sin because that was our nature. But when you were born again, you didn't instantly become perfect, 
but your taste buds changed. Um, how many of you are dog owners? A number of you. Okay, so we have this thing called bitter spray that we've used at times that if you have a puppy, we had a lab puppy a number of years ago, that he would chew everything. He would chew our dining room table while we were eating dinner. So Mary would spray bitter spray on everything. And it worked. The dog wouldn't chew the things. The problem was you would touch it accidentally, and then you'd go to eat an apple or something. You'd have this bitter taste in your mouth that was terrible. Well, when you were made alive, when you were made new, the equivalent of that bitter spray should be your experience. That even when you do sin, it doesn't have the taste it once did. See, that's part of this new appetite. And as Christians, we can cultivate either a hunger for the Lord or a hunger for sin. But fundamentally, your taste buds changed when you were made alive. Not only did we get new sight, new taste buds, but we got new ears to hear. We've been given spiritual hearing. Jesus says this in John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Prior to becoming a Christian, I had some interaction with the Bible. Times I'd go to churches and I'd hear the Bible preached. Um, I had a class at IUP before as a Christian where I had to read the Bible for homework. But none of it really made any sense to me at all. Once I became a Christian, it just began to make sense all over the place. Well, why was that? Because of what Jesus said. His sheep hear his voice. We know because the Holy Spirit's in us, we, we now have understanding to understand God's Word. Now, that doesn't mean there's not hard things in the Bible to understand, but you fundamentally have ears to hear when Jesus is speaking if you've been made alive. So it's a big deal if you have been born again. So not only do we have all these new senses, but one of the greatest realities of being made new, of having your identity in Christ, is you have been given the ability to change. If you are a Christian, there's no sinful pattern that you cannot be freed from, that you cannot change from. Now, it may not be perfectly, but there is real freedom that Christ has purchased for you. Listen to this verse in, in Romans 6. I'm going to read verse 4 and verse 11. So this is talking spiritually about what happened. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. That's not talking about water. That's talking about our spiritual connection. We were immersed into Jesus' death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We too may walk in newness of life. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is in you to walk in newness of life. You can actually change. You can actually be different because God's Spirit is in you. So now I want you to think of cicadas again. Verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Consider yourselves dead to sin, that old shell 
That, that old you, that's no longer who you are. You don't have to obey the appetites of the old you. So what are, what are some of the things that still ensnare you? Is it worry, fear, anger, lust, greed, laziness, addiction of all sorts? No matter what area, I want you to hear this loud and clear. No matter what area, if, if you're checking off that list or you have your own list that's not even that list, you can be freed. You can be changed. You can walk in newness of life. Do not believe the lies of your head or your heart or your feelings. If you genuinely are in Jesus Christ, you can be free. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer a prisoner. So, if you trusted in Jesus, the handcuffs fell off, the jail cell opened up wide, and you were set free. Now, sometimes we pick the handcuffs back up, we put them back on, we walk back into the prison cell, we think, I'm just going to stay here for a while, even though the door's open. But do not believe the lie. If you have trusted in Jesus, you have been set free. Now, remember at the beginning I said, when you were born again, it's like a jet engine put inside of you. Well, some of you might be thinking, it doesn't feel like a jet engine. It doesn't even feel like an engine of a weed eater. It feels like a little, maybe toy, wind-up toy engine motor. Well, why is that? Why? why does it feel at times you're so helpless and powerless? Well, I think it can be several reasons. One could be you, you're not born again yet. You haven't been made alive. And so if that's you, you need to call out to Jesus to save you and rescue you. Or it could be you're definitely born again. And it once felt like a jet engine. But you've so fed into sin that it, it, just, it just quenched it all. And you've, you've fed a monster that, that grew big and strong. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in Galatians 6. Starting at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. For the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So, this is like gardening. So if I sow tomato seeds, I get tomato plants. If I sow strawberries, I get strawberries. If I sow corn seeds, I get corn. What he's saying here is if you feed your sinful nature, you get more of your sinful nature. If you feed your spiritual nature, that jet engine will begin to turn on and begin to operate and begin to give you power and strength. Verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. In due season we will reap if we do not give up. If you, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, spend time with the Lord in His Word, seeking Him, you will, you will grow strong. There will be spiritual fruit. There will be a vibrancy. 
when I was mentioning Cynthia's class, one of the reasons that she has thrived is because she has done this day after day, week after week, month after month. Bible open, praying to the Lord, singing to the Lord, worshiping the Lord, sowing to the new her, the spiritual new her that God made. So if you feel like weeds are all grown up, you're a born-again Christian, but you fed the wrong thing, the way out is confession of your sins. Own it, run from it, turn from it, tell others, ask others, and you will start to experience freedom, and you'll start to experience the new life that is in you already as a Christian. We need to remind ourselves at times of who we are. We so forget who we are because of our circumstances, because of our feelings, because our mind plays all kinds of tricks on us, because of schemes of our enemy. Remind yourself, you are brand new in Jesus Christ. Next one. Not only are we brand new, but we are forever reconciled, forever made right with our maker. By nature, we are not right with our maker, with God himself. By nature, we have sinned, and he is holy. And so the only thing he can do is be our judge. Because our sin opposes him, and his holiness opposes us. So we have a major issue as human beings. If you're not yet a Christian, your greatest concern in life should be meeting God face to face without Jesus Christ, without a provision. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're about to hear the best news in all the world. Jesus made a way for us to be reconciled. Look at verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to God. See, God not only is holy, but he's loving. He devised a plan to reconcile us, to make us right with him. And the plan was extremely, extremely, extremely costly for God, our maker. The plan involved giving up his only one precious son who had never sinned, who had never done anything wrong, who, who didn't even have to come to earth. His name is Jesus, and he came. And the reason he came was to be the mediator between a holy God and sinful people like you and I. This is how Paul describes it with great clarity in 1 Timothy. There is, for there is one God, and there is one mediator, mediator, go-between, between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. There was only one human who could ever be our mediator, who could ever be our substitute, who could ever stand in our place. There's only one. It was Jesus. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He never sinned in any way. 
And he became our mediator by living a perfect life and then being crucified on a cross. When he was crucified, he was hanging and bleeding and dying for all of our sins. So think right now, don't tell anybody, but think of the worst things you've ever done. Thought, said, did in action. The very worst, the darkest, the ones you don't tell anybody about. He hung, he bled, he died for those sins. And he paid for them. So if you are a Christian, he took your debt. That word ransom, that's a financial word. He paid the price that we could not pay. So that we could be reconciled once for all. So here's what this means for you. This is a big deal. The moment you called out to Jesus and turned to Jesus, the war between you and God ended. It was ended. You put your weapons down. He put his weapons down. You were reconciled. You were made right once for all. Saved, forgiven, loved, kept, protected. Once for all. Completely reconciled. God, from that moment on, would never be your judge again. He would only be your father. He's no longer your judge if you are in Christ. He is your father. Now, does this mean we can live however we want and do whatever we want? We're reconciled. Let's go do whatever we want. We're good. We have a free pass. We can do whatever we want. The Apostle Paul answers that question. He says, by no means. By no means. Let me give you an illustration that I think has helped me to understand this. I have three children. Isaac's 17. Lily's 15. Adam is 11. Their last name is Ryer. My last name is Ryer. R-Y-E-R. If they do something wrong that they shouldn't do, there will be consequences for their actions. So if it's something small, there will be a small consequence. If it's something big, there will be a big consequence. But what will never, ever, ever happen is that they would do something that would be such a thing that I sit Isaac down. Lily's name maybe will change one day, but Isaac's won't. And Adams won't. And I sit them down. Say, hey guys, you guys messed up so much. Your last name is Smith. It's no longer Ryer. You're out of the family. No, I will always respond to them as a father. I won't take their last name from them. If you are in Christ, God will always respond. If you go off course, no matter how far, He'll respond to you as a father. Not as a judge if you are in Christ. But as a father, if we stray as reconciled Christians, here's what he will do because he loves you. This is in the book of Hebrews. It's Hebrews chapter 12. The author writes, In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son or my daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one 
He loves. So if you are experiencing the discipline of the Lord, that's an expression of His love. An unloving earthly mom or dad does not discipline their kids at all. Let them do whatever they want. A loving parent will always discipline. So verse 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one He loves. He chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son or what daughter is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which you all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness that those who have been trained by it. In other words, if you've been feeding your old sinful nature, and now there are consequences, what you need to do is fully embrace the Lord's discipline. It's not pleasant. It's not fun. I never liked when I was in high school and my dad would ground me or take away the car keys or not allow me to go out and do the things I wanted to do. He did it because he loved me. It wasn't pleasant. I railed at my father. I had terrible attitudes. We had all kinds of conflicts in high school. But he was a good dad because he held to a standard and he loved me. So if you have strayed as a reconciled, born-again, made-alive Christian, embrace God's discipline. It may be painful now. It may be excruciatingly painful right now. But it's good. And the fruit that awaits you is going to be tremendous. So submit yourself to him. The last one. So we've been made alive. We're reconciled. And because of that, if you get your mind around all these different things we've learned in the last few weeks, that we're part of Christ's body, that we're loved and forgiven, that we're made new, that we're reconciled once for all, then you have to know that you have good news to tell. You have good news to tell. And one of the realities that happened the moment you trusted in Christ is you became a commissioned ambassador for Jesus Christ. You were enlisted, and you didn't even know it. The moment you called out to Jesus, you were tagged, you were stamped, you were His, and you were commissioned for Him to be His ambassador to a lost and dying world. Look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. I want you to see yourself that way. You are an ambassador. You are a representative for Jesus Christ. God making his appeal through you. Anytime you're out and about and there are non-Christians there, it would be the equivalent of wearing a name tag uh, or having a tattoo. Jesus is an ambassador. That's who you are. No matter 
how you feel about that, no matter if you want to be that, if you are in Christ, you are that. And Jesus wants us to grow in being good ambassadors for Him. Now you might be thinking, I don't even like that idea. Well, if you are in Christ, it is part of the relationship. I went to a high school in eastern Pennsylvania called Dallas Town High School. So for the rest of my life, to some degree, I'm a representative of that high school. I'm a product of that high school. We have a reunion coming up. I will may go back to that. I've gone to my other ones. And so my connection, if anybody asks me ever, where'd you go to high school? It's Dallas Town High School. I'm connected to that school. It's the same thing for you. If you are in Christ, you are connected to Christ. You are his representative. Now, there's been times in my life that I was a very poor representative of Dallas Town High School. There are other times where I was a better representative. So the issue wasn't how well I was doing representing. It was, I am a representative. You are an ambassador for Jesus. You just are if you are in Christ. And I want this to to settle deep inside of you. Because if you get this and you embrace this, it will change every mundane task that you do in a given day. If you think for a moment, every single place I go where there are people who do not know the Lord, I'm going as an ambassador for Jesus. That puts instant value on everything you're doing. So I've been in this bathroom project at my house for months, which some of you guys would take about two days. Um, But that means I get to do a lot of being an ambassador at Lowe's. I get to go to Lowe's a lot. See, if you go with the mentality, the Lord may be drawing people to himself. And I'm going to go as Christ's ambassador. If you're at a grocery store and the, long, the line is long, much longer than you prefer, and you have something else to do, you think, well, I'm Christ's ambassador. Maybe the person in front of me or the person behind me is the one God wants to use me to make an appeal through, to build a relationship with. It will put instant value on whatever job you have, whatever mundane task you have. If there are people there, it's an important task, and you are being sent as an ambassador. One of the, my least favorite things I have to do as a member of my family is um, I have to take our dogs to the vet, which might not sound like some of you might think, well, what's the big deal? So Mary works during the school year. She works as a teacher. So Mondays are my day off, so I'm always the dog appointment person. And I'm like sort of like dogs, but I don't love dogs like some of you love dogs. And we have two dogs, so my nightmare scenario is I have to take both dogs, and as soon as I walk into the vet, they usually go to the bathroom on the floor. And then the vet, they give you the paper towels, you have to clean it up by yourself. So I always dread it, I always have a bad attitude about it, I always complain to Mary about it. Um, but I do it, but not with joy. But the last time I went, uh, Mary had a, a good confrontational conversation with me. She said, here's what you should do when you go. Think about this. Think there are ladies or men, particularly older people at times, that a dog for them or a cat for them is very, very precious to them. Why don't you go with the idea of taking an interest in the people that are there? 
because you inevitably sit in the waiting room and your dogs are tugging you all over the place and going to the bathroom on the floor. And, and one time in my life, I'm happy to say, I did that like a few weeks ago. So I prayed, so I'm going to go. And I didn't get to share the gospel, but I met two older ladies that I genuinely got to spend about 20 plus minutes talking to as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. See, I wouldn't have done that if I just thought, oh, I got to go to this thing again. I was going to go to the bathroom on the floor, and then I got to pay like this insane amount of money for my two dogs that all they do is suck money out of our bank account. See, the Lord changed my heart, at least for that moment. It's not perfect, but he changed my heart because there's people there. Whatever you do, wherever you go, if there are people there and you are a Christian, It's a privileged opportunity. You represent the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who is coming back one day. And here's the wild thing. He wants to use us all to bring more people to himself. You will never regret the day you die, the day you meet the Lord face to face, if there's a large group of people that you got to introduce to Jesus, that you took courage, you took time out of your schedule to be bold and courageous and be an ambassador for Christ. See, Paul said it this way in Romans 1.16, if ever there was one who was secure in his identity and captured by the love of Christ, it was the Apostle Paul. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus. He loved the good news of Jesus. For it is the power of God for salvation. So if you are not ashamed of it, and you know the power of it, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then you have a category. There's no one that's outside of Jesus' saving power. No one. There's no one at your workplace. There's no one at a gas station. There's no one in the grocery store. There's no one in your neighborhood that is out of reach of Jesus' saving power. And so you get to be the ambassador. It is part of your identity. It is part of who you are. And so the only option is, are you going to be obedient to that call? I want to encourage those of you who are strong Christians, who you love this book, you read this book, you, you pray, you're strong with Christian fellowship, you're strong with using your gifts to, to be a blessing to others. I want to encourage you to be strong in being ambassadors to a lost and dying world, to be bold and courageous, to be leading the way for our church in evangelism, to be leading the way in encountering relationships with unbelievers. The Apostle Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians 9. And we'll close with this passage. He, he was so committed to just spending his life for Jesus. For though I am free from all, he really understood his freedom as a Christian. I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Made myself a servant. Why? So I might win more of them. Lord, may I win one more to you. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. 
though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, to the Gentiles, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. Why? That I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. May that be our prayer, that we would become all things to all people, that by all means we might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessing. See, part of our identity inevitably is telling others about Christ. It's part of who we were made to be in Christ. So who are we? We are new creations. We are forever reconciled. And we are commissioned ambassadors. Let's all stand and pray and the band can come up. Holy Spirit, we pray that we would believe all these truths in this passage. We would live in the joy of being new creations. We would be just floored that we are once for all reconciled to you. And we would be your most vibrant ambassadors, filled with joy and love and compassion for those around us, the most unlovable, the most hardened, the most distant. Lord, may we in love represent you to them. And may you reconcile them to yourself. We love you and we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.